0: Well, we've we've begun a series of conversations about the subject of margin. Margin is the um, the idea that that um, our lives uh, will be better if if they um, have margin around them. Margin is like like words on a page; they're surrounded by that white the white boundary until you get to the edge of the page. That's margin. It's it's wiggle room. It's elbow room. It's it's cushion. It's it's um, headroom. It's the places. Between the the things that that we think about, it's it's that gap in our lives, and if you're looking for uh, something that's uh, deep and theological today, um, I I am going to disappoint you because today's today's subject is not way up in the clouds and and it's just awfully practical, and the reason for that is because your heavenly Father loves you, and He doesn't want you to be miserable, and He really wants you to have some margin in your lives. So we're going to be looking today about how we can be more like Jesus. Jesus had margin in his life. And so what we're going to be doing today is talking about margin. And in particular today we're going to talk about the area of time. Um, uh, the reason for that is is not because I am an expert and I'm going to uh, tell you all of my secrets for managing time. The fact is I'm a terrible terrible, uh, overbooked, overcommitted. I just feel like I I don't have any time at all in my life. Um, I was thinking to myself, should I start with time or should I start with money? And I said to myself, well, you know, the thing is, I know I've got a time problem and I don't have time to find out if I've got a money problem. So I probably better start with time first. So so I'm going to be talking about time today. Um, uh, When I was when I was young, I told the, the children about the um, a movie, that, that transition, moving to uh, a junior high from elementary school. Something else happened when I moved from, from junior high to elementary school. I changed libraries. And in the library of my elementary school, what I had been doing is, uh, I, I'm a book reader. I know not everyone is, but I, I love to read. And um, I was following my brother around through the library. He'd been in the school a couple of years earlier. And I would go through, and I would look for books that I thought I remembered, and I'd look in the back. You remember, library books used to have the the pocket in back, and I'd pull out the pocket and see, pull the card out, and see if his signature was on it somewhere, and say, okay, this is a, it's got his stamp of approval. And read his books. Uh, when when I got to junior high, I, I just the the circumstances, the different library, and so forth. I didn't know how to find those books in the in the new library, so I went to the librarian and I said, you know, here's some books I've liked, and. What do you recommend? And she uh, got me started reading science fiction. So God bless her. So uh, I, I, uh, I, I hardly ever read fiction anymore because I don't have any time. But if I do have some time, um, when I'm on vacation or something, I might bring a book in. And sometimes I'll still read science fiction today. So I love science fiction. I tell you all this because because you know what science fiction is, right? You know, you you have stories about rockets and space travel, and sometimes you have stories about time travel and And I read this one uh, some years later that that has stuck with me because it's such such an appealing idea. you know mostly um, uh, we talk about time travel in terms of a single dimension you know we we live in space right we have we have multiple dimensions of space, three dimensions right we have up and down right we know that we've got east and west, okay, and then we've got north and south okay and if you're if you're if you're me, you don't, you can't remember right and left, so I stick to north and south, east and west. So, um, so you've got east and west, and north and south. And and what people tell us is that you can imagine time kind of being like one of those dimensions. But the difference with time is you can only go in one direction. You can't go backwards, right? The other thing is we're all moving through that dimension at the same pace, one second per second. We all move at the same pace through time. You can't go backwards. You can only go forwards. You can only move at a certain pace. And what most time travel stories are about is, well, yeah, but what if you could? What if you could, like, jump way out to that end or way back to that end, right? You could go up to the future and, you know, see the flying cars or go back to the past and hunt a brontosaurus or whatever, right? So that's what most time travel is. But what this one story was is it said, well, what if there is multiple dimensions of time? And, and, And the reason that this came up in the book is the person was trying to make some money. And he figured out you could make a lot of money if you could do that. Because here's the scenario, okay? Um, You've got a big project due at work tomorrow. You're not ready, okay? But tomorrow's coming. So what if you could start going that way? And you could do all the work, as long as it took, to get the work done on this dimension of time. And then when you were ready, when you had finished all the work on that dimension, then... You'd start moving forward through regular time. Monday morning comes. You show up at work. You've got your big project done. Everybody's happy. What a great idea! Sign me up. I want that. You know, my sermons would all be better um, if I could just spend a month working on each one. But but they come every week. So so that was the idea in this book: is that wouldn't it be cool if you could have time travel sideways? Okay. So so out of our regular time dimension, do the things you need to do there and then resume traveling in the normal direction through time. I thought that was a really good idea. In fact, if, if somebody ever comes to me and convinces me it works, I'm going to invest because my guess is I'm not the only one who'd like to have that. The problem is, let's be honest. I read this book when I was in college. I was thinking to myself, it would be great to have a week to study for my finals, right? Because they're, they're coming up, and I'm going to do like I always do. I'm going to spend um, the night before... Cramming for my finals, and then and then go uh, uh, crash after it's over, and hopefully when I wake up I'll have forgotten the whole experience. I, I thought that's that's the way I'll get through my finals. But if I could just take a week off, and work on my finals all week, man, I'd go back to school. I'd know it all. I'd I'd cruise through that final exam. It'd be awesome. But the truth of the matter is I wouldn't. I mean, even as I was entertaining this this idea, I thought to myself that's not really going to happen, because what I would do is I would on this other dimension of time, I would spend a week goofing off. I'd be reading science fiction books about time travel. Okay, And then, at the end of my vacation, in time, I would begin cramming for my exam. The problem is not how much time we have or what direction we travel. The problem is how we use it. And this is not a new problem. There was a... um, Oh, I'm going to... Oh, my goodness, did I not bring it in? Oh, where's my poem? Back in my office. Well, let me just tell you, I'll have to go find it. Anyway, um, 200 years before Jesus, there was a Roman, I'll have to blog this now. Um, Look at my blog, and I'll have the link to the actual poem. Um, There was a Roman named Plautus. He, He wrote plays, but he also wrote poems. And he wrote this wonderful little poem that talks about how he'd like to curse the man who invented the sundial. This is 200 years before Jesus. Okay? And he's saying, he's saying, these people have broken my day up into little parts and it drives me crazy. I can't get anything done. My day's a mess. You know, it's all their fault. Uh, time, time is so terrible now. The, t- the pressure of time is just, uh, uh, bugging, bugging him. So Plautus, Plautus 200 years before Jesus was complaining about the sundial. And, of course, it only got worse because in the Middle Ages they invented the clock tower, okay? And then they replaced the sun with uh, with clockwork, so even if it was cloudy, you could still see what the hour was. And then once they had the clockwork, they said, well, here's an idea. Let's have more gears in there, and then we can have a minute hand, too. <laughs> okay, we can break the hours up into minutes. And you know where this is going, right? Because <laughs> then they say, how about if we add seconds? Okay, that'll increase the pressure on everybody in the whole town. So they added second hands and then they started building the clocks smaller so you could put them in your house and then you could put them in your pocket and then you could put them on your wristwatch. And now nobody does that. Nowadays, we put them in our phones. Right. We can all look at our phones and my phone doesn't divide time up into seconds. That would be way too long. My phone divides time into billionths of a second. It runs at over a gigahertz, over 1,000 times a second. It goes tick. I am totally governed by time. I do not. I do, well, it's not that I don't have enough. It's that, it's that it governs me. I feel as though I can't get the things done that I want to do. And my guess is that I'm not alone. These, these, these advances in progress are always sold to us. The, the phones and the clock towers and even the sundial are sold to us with the notion that with this new advance, we'll be able to manage time better. But somehow they always seem to work the other way. Um, in, in the 1960s, uh, uh, the Senate uh, there was a Senate subcommittee that took um, uh, expert text testimony that said that, that um, by 1985, the average American would work a 22-hour week 27 weeks a year. That would be the average work week in America. By 1985. Well, it didn't happen in 1985 and it doesn't look like it's going to happen this year either. Uh, the reality is most people are still working a whole lot and, uh, the, the, the advances in progress, the computers and the, the phones and the, you know, the communications and everything else isn't making the work week any shorter. So the problem isn't how much time we have. The problem is what we do with it. So what I want to do today is look at this uh, short little lesson about Jesus and Mary and Martha. Um, uh, it's it's um, it's a familiar story to many of you because you've heard it. Um, it gets it gets a, a, a lot of um, traction, I think, because it does capture our, our minds. We say, "Yeah, that's me." Um, so let's take a look at it now. Uh, Jesus is on the road. He's, he's um, just told the story of the Good Samaritan. And if uh, today's sermon bothers you, go back and read the Good Samaritan, because that'll really bother you. Um, so uh, th- he, they're on their way, and he enters into a, s- a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed, her, welcomed him into her home. Now, if you've just read the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a guy who was in the road and got beat up, and somebody helped him. Somebody provided him hospitality, so you'd think good, Mary, good Martha, right? She welcomed a guy who's on the road. She welcomed her. He, she welcomed him into her home. Good for Martha, but but that's not what we find out. It says she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. Now this doesn't mean that Mary's a slacker. The the the, the phrase here. Um, Sat at the Lord's feet is actually the the conventional phrase in ancient literature for um, somebody who was studying under a rabbi. So uh, Mary is taking advantage of the opportunity. There's a rabbi here. And unlike 99% of rabbis, it wasn't unheard of, but it was very unusual for a rabbi to accept a woman as a student. It was just not done or, or all but unheard of. And so Mary, you know, here's Jesus. Uh, he accepts he accepts women as students. I'm seizing the opportunity. I'm going to get some lessons from him right now. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. These are good tasks. There's nothing wrong with the work she's doing. We just read the story of the Good Samaritan, or, or we would have just read the story of the Good Samaritan, where the whole point is doing good deeds. So So there's nothing wrong with her tasks, but Mary's distracted by them. So she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, do you not care? Can't you see how busy I am down here? I am overwhelmed. These kids are driving me crazy. My boss is a total jerk. Lord, do you not care? How tough I've got it. And what does Jesus say to her? Well, first she says, she gives him a recipe. She says, tell her then to help me. And Jesus says, Martha, 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 I love you too much. I'm not going to encourage you to continue in your misery. I don't want you to be miserable. But your problem isn't not enough time. Your problem isn't not enough hands. Your problem isn't that you want to be in two places at once. Martha, the, pro- or the problem is that you want to be in two places at once. You want to do this and do that. And it doesn't matter if you have more hands helping you or not. Your problem, Martha, is that you haven't made the choice. He says, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Now, if you're reading this in a Bible, uh, there'll be a footnote there after Jesus says there's need of only one thing. And uh, the reason is there's a real debate between people who who uh, are scholars of, of the uh, manuscripts that they use to... To make the Bible, because there's a whole collection of manuscripts from one part of the ancient world that says one thing, and there's a collection of manuscripts from another part of the ancient world that says another thing. It's it's a it's a small difference. It's not a big deal, but but they they want to point it out uh, which one which camp they're in. One side says like ours. It says there's need of only one thing. The other side and ours has a little footnote. It says few things are necessary or only one. So Jesus either says, "Martha, only one thing is necessary," or Jesus says, "Martha, not much is necessary," or sometimes only one thing is necessary. So, so uh, our, our uh, the people, the the scholars who put our Bible our translation together, they pick the shorter reading, and they they you can actually go find they've got notes where they explain why they do this, um, why they made these decisions. But my guess is that is that there was pushback. Even in the early church, when people heard Jesus say, you don't have to do everything, they pushed back and they said, well, he meant, he meant you don't have to do much, but you've got to do a lot. And so they wrote down, well, you have to do few or sometimes one. And I, and I think that that's, that's our condition, is that even when Jesus tells us you only have to do one thing, we push back and say, but I've got so much I have to do. But Jesus says, everyone agrees, Jesus says, at least under some circumstances, there's only one. And my guess is that Jesus actually said, only one thing is necessary. He said, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Sometimes people read that last sentence, Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Like, I'm not going to intervene. I'm not going to go tell her, to do this thing. But I think Jesus is saying something that's more significant. I think Jesus is saying, look at what you're doing and look at what she's doing. What she's doing has significance. What she's doing is eternal. What you're doing is ephemeral. What you're doing 3 4 days from now will anyone remember what meal you served? Whether it tasted any good? Okay? Uh, whether I complimented the chef? No one will remember any of this stuff because it's not important. Time is going to take your achievements away from you, Martha. But it's not going to take Mary's achievements away. Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken from her. So, the question is, which one are you? Are you distracted by many things? Or do you choose the good part? This is, this is the real question we've got. Um, I, I know the vast majority of times, I am Martha. I'm distracted by many things. So, what if you want to be a Mary? How can you be a Mary? Well, I have practical advice. I mean, uh, if you'd like, if, if this is actually something that's, that's, um, that's uh, 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 punching the right button in your head... Um, and you're thinking, I really need to do more with this. Let me encourage you. There's a book, uh, by Richard Swinson called Margins, and it's the best book I know on this whole subject. I am, I am stealing liberally through it, uh, from it as I go through this series. Um, and he gives, I think, 14 different practical applications you can, you can do to, to acquire more time in your life. But I'm just gonna give you three of them. He says, first of all, recognize you have a need, right? You know, just like any recovery program, you start by admitting you have a problem. Um, If you're driving down the highway of your life and every car is tailgating the car in front of it, then the first time there's going to be, the first time there's any trouble at all, there's going to be a multi-car pileup, okay? If you don't have some space in your life, then you're going to get into some trouble. So first of all, recognize you need some margin in your time. That's the first one. The second one is to learn to say no. Mary probably said no to Martha. You can imagine, right? Martha, get in here and help me with the dinner. And Martha, you know, she, you know, I'm, I'm listening, you know, and no. And, and so then Martha comes in and says, Jesus, make her come in. And, and, and the reason is that Mary said no. The, 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 I think oftentimes, Instead of saying no, we say no, blah, 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 blah. Right? We come up with a reason why no. And then people pick away at our reason. Or maybe in our head we start rationalizing how we don't have to, you know, actually maybe I can say yes after all. Anne Lamont says, no is a complete sentence. No is a complete sentence. When you say no, just say no. Because then nobody can kind of, kind of get in there and start wiggling around and see if they can they can somehow turn that into a maybe and then into a yes. So no is a complete sentence. Say no. Okay. One last practical um, item. Turn off your TV. Because you see, you see, you do have time. That that same um, that same uh in, in the nineteen sixties, um the the Federal Reserve, you know, they, they measure money and work and productivity, all this stuff, right? That's what they do. Uh well part of measuring work is measuring leisure. And a few years ago, they came up with a study that said, since 1965, the average American has seven more hours of leisure in their life. So in four decades, the average American has gained seven extra hours a week, an hour a day almost, um, of uh, of leisure. But, you know, my dad had hobbies, and I don't, because I don't have time for hobbies. And the, the Federal Reserve said, the average American spends two and a half hours in front of the TV, and for every extra hour of of leisure that they acquire, they spend half of it in, half of that in front of the TV. So turn off the TV. Uh, if there are three hundred million Americans, we spend collectively almost a billion hours a day watching TV. So just stop and think what we could do to transform society if we would just turn off the TV. Somebody asked Billy Graham. He's uh, almost ninety years old. They they asked him. If he was reflecting on on his life. What would you differently, do differently now? You know, as you think back, you know, you know all the presidents and all the power people you've you've been involved with. What would you do differently? He said, "I'd watch less TV." When he reflected on his life, he thought he should watch less TV. So those are all practical things. Uh, say say no. Um, turn off the TV and just recognize that you have a need. So I'm going to tell you one more because I just love this. This is from a different source. This is from Scientific American. I'll boil it down for you. Do something significant with your time. Researchers, according to this article, researchers interrupted more than 200 students in class, and they had them do five minutes worth of work. They broke it into two groups. One, one part of the class, they, they got a meaningless task. Cross out the E's on a page of text. Okay, so they just went through and started crossing out all the e's. Okay, they had the other group write a letter to a sick child. Okay, well you can probably imagine which one's more enjoyable. But beyond any enjoyment, they asked them afterwards. They surveyed the group, um, both groups, and the group that wrote the letters to the children, they perceived themselves to have more time in their lives than the people who did the crossing out. I think people realized, you know, I'm spending my time crossing out a lot of ease in my life. When they did it, it helped them see the way that they were wasting their time. Another experiment, a group of subjects was given some free time and told to do whatever they wanted. But a different group was told to do something for somebody else. And the people who acted selflessly perceived themselves as having more time than those with no obligations they also reported a stronger sense of personal power and effectiveness that's i i i smile when i see these things because i read them and i think yo yeah, that sounds almost like something jesus might say do something significant with your life mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken away from her so recognize you have a need Say no, turn off the TV, and do something significant with your life. And you will have more time. Thanks be to God. Amen.